0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti.
1: I've just kind of been sharing like my journey ever since I was diagnosed with celiac disease at age 32. like there's so many more resources now compared to like 10 years ago so many great cookbooks out there i'm trying to get into baking a little bit more and experimenting with you know the coconut flour almond flour and i've been doing a few more recipes but regular old cooking is my strong suit i have so many pantry staples Um, definitely the maple syrup honey almond flour coconut flour just a really good gluten-free flour i like coconut oil olive oil I have all of those on hand so I can make, you know, a batch of muffins at any point.
0: That's Mary Smith. She's a blogger, cookbook author, mom of three, and living a gluten-free lifestyle. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I want to dive right into you. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I am Mary Smith. I'm a mom of three kids. Um, They are ages four, six, and nine next week. Um, we live in Westminster, Maryland, and I am the uh, recipe developer, blogger, author, and food photographer behind Mary's Whole Life, which is my blog where I share lots of yummy gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo recipes, share info about some of my favorite products, and I've just kind of been sharing like my journey ever since I was diagnosed with celiac disease at age 32.
0: Now, how did you become aware
1: of your condition? So I was, I had basically, my health was pretty much declining after the birth of, uh, my daughter, which was at this point almost nine years ago. And for her first couple of years of life, I just, you know, thought it was part of being a mom and mom life and being tired all the time and constant headaches. And, you know, my anxiety was out of control. I I had horrible postpartum anxiety after her and, um, I chalked it up to just, you know, new mom life. And, um, then once I had my son, two and a half years later, I started losing a lot of weight rapidly. I was having, um, pretty much like debilitating migraines weekly. I had eczema all over my body. Um, Anxiety was out of control. And I was like, you know what? Something is just not right. So um, that's kind of when I started to dive into trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with me. And I went and saw a bunch of different doctors. I had colonoscopies. I had blood work. I had all this stuff done. Um, And long story short, it took about, I want to say, three and a half, four years for me to finally get my diagnosis. And it was actually me. Yeah. Um, And it it was crazy, but it was actually, you know, when you think something's wrong, we tend to go to Google, which is not always a good thing to do, but I would just Google all my symptoms. And the two things that kept coming up for me were Crohn's disease and celiac. And so I actually presented those to my primary care doctor and said, Hey, I just want, to be tested for these. And she said, I doubt it's that, but if it will make you feel better, we'll do it. Um, and so lo and behold, we did the blood panel test for celiac and the numbers she said were higher than anything she's ever seen.
0: Wow. Because we know as long as you're in tune with your body, you know that there's something that's not quite right and you advocated for yourself, which is amazing.
1: Yes, I I firmly believe that we have to be our own advocates. Even you know when people are telling you, no, it's all in your head. you know A lot of times if you have a feeling in your gut that something's not right, it's probably not right.
0: And I want to talk a little bit about celiac disease because it is, it's an autoimmune disease, right? So if you could just break it down just a little bit.
1: Sure. So when you have celiac disease and you have gluten, even like one 360th of a piece of bread, it could be something that tiny and minuscule. If you ingest that, what happens is that your body produces this immune response and essentially the little villi, which are like the little hair-like projections in your small intestine that absorb nutrients, those get flattened. And so what happens over time is that you stop absorbing those nutrients, which is why I, you know, was completely anemic. I was losing weight, even though I was eating a ton. Um, Pretty much everything is just kind of going in and coming out (laughs) um, for lack of a better term. So that's pretty much what happens. And it can cause all these crazy symptoms because your body isn't getting what it needs.
0: We like to play games here on the podcast. And I wanted to start with a little game if you are up for it. Sure. Okay. We're going to start with this or that. Morning
1: person or night owl? Definitely a night owl. That is when I get the most of my work done. I love to procrastinate. So working until the wee hours of the morning, for some reason, that's when I have all my energy and I really struggle. I want to be a morning person, but I struggle to wake up to get my workout in and all that. Okay. Edamame or green beans?
0: Oh, edamame, hands down chocolate or vanilla chocolate chicken or beef oh that's a tough one uh probably chicken oh this is going to be an easy one give up sugar or give up salt
1: oh man honestly i am a savory person through and through so i think i would give up sugar honestly grilled cheese or mac and
0: cheese oh mac and cheese cheesecake or banana muffin cheesecake
1: honey or maple syrup maple syrup Do you prefer paper or electronic grocery list? Electronic. I use the notes section on my iPhone with the little circles that you can check off. It's so satisfying (laughs) to me to check those off.
0: What's been your biggest challenge converting to like a gluten-free lifestyle?
1: Well, in the beginning, I literally thought my life was over. I am, I'm such a food lover. I'm such a carb lover. Pasta is my love language. And I thought, you know, if I can't just have a big bowl of noodles with butter and Parmesan ever again, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what is life? (laughs) So, um, that was my attitude in the beginning, but then I decided to flip the switch and say, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to still enjoy my life and make things delicious. And that was kind of what got me, um, started, getting into the kitchen and experimenting and, you know, using these new grain-free, gluten-free cookbooks and things like that. Um, and it really sparked my interest in cooking that honestly I never really had before.
0: Okay. So you tapped onto cookbooks. So I was going to ask what resources would you recommend for someone that, um, you know, might be just starting out on their gluten-free journey?
1: feel like there's so many more resources now compared to like 10 years ago. Um, So many great cookbooks out there. One of my biggest inspirations is Danielle Walker from Against All Grain. I love all of her cookbooks. Really, those were the main resources I used from her in the beginning. Um, And then I would go online and look at different blogs. And there are, are there any gluten-free products that you'd love? Like some of your faves? Oh yes. Um, Jovial Gluten-Free Pasta Has been a savior for me. It literally has the same, very similar taste and texture to regular pasta. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Canyon Bakehouse gluten free bread. I have that a few times a week. It's really great, especially when you toast it up or fry it up for a grilled cheese. Um, Siete, love all of their products. And I love the story behind their family. Um, The mom had an autoimmune disease. So they started this company and made all these products like gluten free tortillas, grain free chips and all that, um, so that she could still enjoy things, but manage her disease at the same time. And I, I use their tortillas for breakfast tacos, probably five times a week. And when we're talking
0: about celiac disease, it's, it's serious. You don't want any cross-contamination. So especially in your kitchen. So how do you ensure that there's no cross-contamination in your kitchen and does your family, they, do they follow the same diet as you do?
1: So my husband and my kids do not eat hundred percent gluten-free. Um, you know, they eat most of the meals that I cook here and we do everything in our power to make sure that we are not cross contaminating me. You know, I make my sandwiches in a separate area of the counter. I toast my bread in the oven under the broiler versus using the toaster that they use. Um, and you know, some people with celiac choose to, Convert their households to 100% gluten free. We haven't quite done that yet. Um, you know, I, I don't share the same cookware. I have a separate pan for their grilled cheeses versus what we use for everything else. So I would say we're probably 80% um, gluten free here. But then in terms of like their school lunches and stuff, they take regular sandwiches and all that. So um, we do our best. And so far, it, it's gone okay.
0: How easily do children adapt to a gluten free lifestyle? And, and are there any tips that you would recommend for this transition?
1: First of all, I will say that my heart goes out to anybody who is dealing with this just because obviously when you're a kid, you know, you have the birthday parties, you have school stuff, you have different events and things throughout your life where food is a big part of it. And I, I'm just thankful that I didn't really have to start dealing with this until I was later in life, you know, and kind of in charge of my day to day schedules and meals. I, I, it must be so difficult, um, to deal with that when you have a child, because some things, you know, you're not always there to control those situations. So I think, um, you know, some of my best recommendations are the good thing is there's so many products out there now that are great dupes for, you know, pizza and pasta and, you know, it might take a little extra effort to pack, you know, a frozen pizza to bring to your friend's birthday party or things like that. But just really making sure that your friends and family and community are aware and take it seriously. And, you know, I think once they have that explanation and and realize that it's something they really, really need to be paying attention to that most people will be on board with it.
0: I'm Mary Mamolini, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with blogger Mary Smith of Mary's Whole Life and cookbook author, let's set the record straight. Myths and facts about celiac disease. So one of the myths, celiac disease is easily recognized.
1: So the fact of that, even just based on my own story, it literally takes a lot of people five to 10 years to eventually get a diagnosis. Um, There's over 200 different symptoms that can be associated with celiac. Nobody's symptoms are going to look the same as somebody else's. So it's not like there's five things you look for, and then they're like, "Oh, yep, you have celiac. It literally could be a myriad of things that are also associated with other autoimmune diseases, um anxiety, and depression. So oftentimes things can get misconstrued and misdiagnosed.
0: Okay, the next one, celiac disease can be diagnosed by a simple blood test.
1: So, um to give you a little background on how I was diagnosed, they did the blood panel test. That came back off the charts positive. So my primary care doctor, sent my results to a gastroenterologist and he basically came back and said, Hey, your numbers are some of the highest I've seen. I'm confident that you do have celiac. We don't need to do the endoscopy. Um, typically an endoscopy and a sample of the small intestine to confirm that those villi are flattened and you do indeed have celiac is recommended. However, in my case, they said it just wasn't needed.
0: Celiac disease is a childhood disease
1: this is also false. Um from what i understand here you are either born with the gene for celiac disease or you're not. So it's very much a inherited disease. Somebody somewhere along the line in my family had it. Still don't know who that is or <laughs> where it came from, but i got right. it from somebody and my kids also have a 1 in 10 chance of developing it um whether that's in their childhood or later in life. And what I was told by various doctors is that sometimes a life event or a major stressor in my case, I believe it was having a C-section with my first daughter and having that surgery can kind of kick it into gear. So that gene was in my body basically lying dormant for the first 30 years of my life. And then Um, you know, sometimes it could be Epstein-Barr virus or some sort of virus in your body that kicks it into gear. There's multiple things that could happen. And that's kind of the case with a lot of autoimmune diseases that are developed later in life.
0: Interesting. This one's one of my favorite ones because I've actually heard this someone say, so it's a myth that celiac disease can be outgrown. What is the fact of this?
1: The fact of the matter with this is that uh, it is a lifelong disease. There is currently no cure. Um, Really, the only way to manage it is to eat a 100% gluten-free diet. And that's not like, oh, Monday through Friday, I'm going to eat gluten-free and then eat a regular pizza on the weekend. There is no cheating allowed. Um, Of course, you can decide to do that, but you're not going to feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Next one. A person with celiac disease needs to avoid only wheat and wheat products.
1: This is false. And I think um, going back to your question about what I struggled with the most over the past five years mm-hmm. in dealing with this is that gluten hides in everything, literally everything and things that you would just never think sauces, um, soy sauce, uh, barbecue sauce, mayo sometimes, um, wait a minute, mayo, some, some brands
0: and even barbecue sauce, because when you pick up barbecue sauce, you don't, that, it's not like gluten comes to mind.
1: Yeah. You really, I've learned to just read all my labels. Um, You want to look out for barley. You want to look out sometimes maltodextrin can have it in there, obviously wheat, any wheat related products. Um, But it really, and the other thing is, and I could go on for days and days about this, but just Mm -hmm. the the gluten-free labeling, I try to stick to packaged products that have that certification of you know, it being certified gluten-free, that means that it has less than 20 parts per million gluten, which is safe for somebody with celiac. It's a super minuscule amount um, or none at all. So I try to look for packaged items that have that on it. If something just says gluten-free, oftentimes you don't know if that is truly the case where it's truly safe for somebody with celiac.
0: Next one, myth or fact. A trial of the gluten-free diet is a good way of selecting patients who have celiac disease.
1: False. So in order to be accurately diagnosed with celiac, you have to be eating gluten in your diet for at least six weeks prior to being tested.
0: A person with celiac disease can tolerate a small amount of dietary gluten once in a while. False. I have a smirk on my face while I'm reading this because I have heard someone say this and it took everything in me not to just jump into the conversation. It was someone beside me, but I'll let you answer. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I will say, you know, nobody is perfect and navigating this lifestyle is pretty challenging, especially if you're a social person, you go out to eat, you know, it's, I'm somebody who's not going to sit in my house for the rest of my life. I'm going to go out to eat. I think it's just a matter of having those conversations with chefs and servers and things like that when you're out and truly making sure that they're making every effort to avoid cross-contamination. But there have been slip-ups, you know, where I know I've gone out to eat and I feel terrible for the next few days after that. So it definitely, it it happens, but never willingly. And
0: what about this one? After diagnosis and adherence to a gluten-free diet, a person with celiac disease can be considered quote-unquote cured and needs no further medical or dietary supervision false
1: um like i mentioned you have to eat gluten-free for the rest of your life if you want to manage (laughs) this disease i mean i hope that eventually with you know science and modern technology they come out with something that allows us to pop a pill and enjoy gluten eventually but as of right now nothing like that exists
0: okay so i want to get into some culinary questions do you lean more towards baking or cooking
1: Definitely cooking. I'm trying to get into baking a little bit more and experimenting with, you know, the coconut flour, almond flour. And I've been doing a few more recipes, but regular old cooking is my strong suit. Yeah.
0: I mean, because that would, that's, I'm curious about this. So, what food products would you consider like an absolutely indispensable for proper gluten free baking, maybe cooking?
1: Yeah, I have so many pantry staples. Um, definitely the maple syrup, honey, almond flour, coconut flour. Um, if you're not following paleo, then just a really good gluten-free flour. I like um, King, right. King Arthur makes some amazing gluten-free products like pancakes, cake mixes that truly taste like the real thing. Um, coconut oil, olive oil. I have all of those on hand, so I can make you know a batch of muffins at any point.
0: Now, when we talk about the kitchen, how did you get started cooking and in the kitchen?
1: So like I mentioned, when I um, was having these health struggles, even before my diagnosis, I was just reading about, you know, what can I do to make myself feel better? Do I need to change my diet? That sort of thing. And that's when I discovered paleo and Whole30. So that was when um, I came across a lot of these blogs and cookbooks. And I liked the recipes I was trying, but I also felt like they were super overcomplicated. Like I am a busy mom. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to spend hours in the kitchen, like whipping up a dinner. So that's kind of when I set out and made it my mission, like, Hey, I could do this. And I think I can almost do it better. So I'm going to try. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do 30 minute meals, skillet meals, quick, easy, minimal ingredients, and still make things that taste delicious. And that's kind of where I got started with experimenting in the kitchen. So did
0: you always enjoy cooking? Like as a
1: little girl? No. Ah, um, interesting. <laughs> I definitely, you know, I grew up, my whole family are major foodies. My mom made amazing home cooked meals most nights during the week. My dad is an amazing person in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, it's not that I didn't like cooking. It's just that I never really did it when I was younger. You know, I would make a batch of cookies here and there, but it wasn't like something that I just did with my mom all the time.
0: Okay. So think about what would be the first recipe that you remember trying?
1: Like ever or gluten-free? <laughs> ever. I think my mom makes this amazing homemade mac and cheese that I really miss the full gluten version of it, but it's like this homemade cheddar cheese sauce with the crumbled Ritz crackers on top. And when I first lived Mm -hmm. by myself in my own apartment, I tried to make it for myself and it just didn't turn out the same as hers,
0: but definitely mac and cheese, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your go-to easy meal to make for dinner? So you're in a pinch, you need to make this meal. It's one of your safe meals.
1: So I actually have two of them. Um, one of them is like an egg roll in a bowl situation. You can use ground Turkey, ground beef or ground pork, whatever you have on hand, um, and ready to go and throw a bag of coleslaw mix in there, chop up some onion, garlic, um, and then a mixture of soy sauce or not. Gosh, don't use soy sauce. Forget. I just said that <laughs> coconut aminos. <laughs> that is one of my pantry staples. That's a it. great replacement for soy sauce. Um, coconut aminos, uh some ginger and sesame oil and it kind of tastes like an egg roll but in a bowl using super quick easy ingredients comes together in like 15 minutes. So that's one. And then another staple which is one of the most popular recipes on my blog is the sausage, potato and broccoli sheet pan supper. And um it's so versatile you can literally mm-hmm. use any type of sweet potato, regular potato, any type of veggie um and then any type of like pre-cooked chicken sausage. I really like the Adele's brand. And chop it all up, um, and then you mix it up with this yummy marinade, which someday I hope to bottle and sell this stuff. Um, It is so delicious on so many different things. It's kind of a combination of uh, coconut aminos, Dijon mustard, hot sauce, garlic, onion powder, crushed red pepper, and I'm forgetting something, but that's the gist of it. You mix it all up, pour it over, and bake it all together, and it is so scrumptious.
0: It just got me thinking. No soy sauce, but what about tamari? Same thing. No tamari, right?
1: Um, So tamari is gluten-free soy sauce. You can absolutely have that. um, If you're on a gluten-free diet, I just choose not to because soy, it still has soy. And that's one of those things that Mm. I try to avoid. It's not like it's strictly off the table, but I just know that I feel better without it.
0: And I love asking this question because there are so many of our memories attached to so many wonderful moments in our life. And can you think of anyone that gets triggered by either a smell, a scent, a sound, anything that triggers this food memory for you?
1: Growing up, one of my absolute favorite things, um, one of my dad's best friends was Polish and he grew up in a small Mm -hmm. town in Massachusetts and they would always deliver these pierogies that we would fry up in butter and they were like filled with cabbage and there was also potato and cheese ones. So my dad set out on a mission to figure out how to make them. Um, Most recently, he made a gluten-free version, which I hope to put on the blog soon. And um, those just bring me back to childhood. I think they're probably one Mm. of my favorite foods. So if I ever smell like buttery cabbage or, you know, that dough frying up, it just brings back so many memories.
0: So we're going to play a game of rapid fire. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you.
1: I am actually super shy and I have the biggest fear of public speaking. Um, When I wasn't able to do a cookbook tour because of the world shutting down and COVID, um, part of me was super sad, but part of me was also a little relieved because I was like, oh, now I don't have to get up and talk in front of people. (laughs) okay
0: next one name or sing a song that always puts you in a good mood
1: oh oh uh, anything by taylor swift i love taylor swift um anything by the jonas brothers i'm a an huge fan and anything by Justin uh-huh. Bieber. You, you can judge me all you want but i love i love the beads uh, but i can't get you to sing one of the songs oh um <laughs> baby, baby, baby.
0: <laughs> what would your desert island meal be I would say
1: the, the fancier one would be a really delicious, perfectly cooked, medium to medium rare filet with a side of mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts, all gratin, and a really good glass of red wine. That would be my fancy meal. Okay, and then my my less fancy one would be a, a regular cheeseburger. If I was on a remote island, I would let myself eat this gluten just, just once. A regular double cheeseburger from Five Guys with fries and it's sprite. I love to ask all our guests to
0: share a little kitchen confession with us. Do you have one that you can share with us?
1: Before I started experimenting with Paleo and Whole30, I literally could pretty much make scrambled eggs and a box of pasta. And that was it.
0: I love it. (laughs) And now you've written a cookbook. You've got a blog all dedicated to food. If listeners want to reach out for more information, learn more about you, connect with you. How can they find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram at Mary's Whole Life, Facebook, Mary's Whole Life. And then my blog is Mary's Whole Life.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Also, lovely name. Thanks. You too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to KitchenConfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out AMI.ca forward slash Kitchen Confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. This
1: was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.